It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. What's happening, everybody? We are getting ready for some Sunday hockey. The Sharks are in New York taking on the Rangers today. And to get caught up on the entirety of all things Rangers, we are now joined by the radio color commentator for the New York Rangers, Dave Maloney, former captain of the Rangers. Dave, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing well, Caddy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing very well. Just excited Good. for some Sunday hockey. And, uh, right. you know, obviously this this Rangers team, um, extremely talented, uh, very much in my mind, one of the teams that I expect to be challenging as we get deeper and deeper into the season. What is the 30,000-foot on the view on the team as we get to this point of the season? Well, I, I think there's, there's a couple of things. I, I think first and foremost, when you look at um, positions that are important to give you a chance for success, you got to start in goal. And uh, Igor Shosturkin has been Igor a couple of years removed from a Vezina Trophy winning season. And the other point is, you know, Jonathan Quick has come in and, and it's looked more like the Jonathan Quick who won a couple of cups. Um, so there are very few teams that I can think that boast the goaltending, although I, I do think the Sharks goaltenders have probably been their most consistent players so far this season. But that being said, when it starts in net from the Rangers standpoint, they've got that position pretty well covered. Now, they went 10 games without one of the premier defensemen in the league in Adam Fox mm -hmm. and when were able to um, make, continue to be a very competitive team. So Fox got back into the lineup. He's back in two games. He's coming off a an afternoon yesterday in Nashville with three assists. And, you know, the blue line, Truba, Truba brings brings the grit and the leadership that you need in all positions, particularly in the blue line. And then, uh, you know, Zabanajad, Prochak down the middle have been good. So I think um, there's a lot of things. Laviolette has come in and has done a wonderful job of kind of challenging the top players to play a game that becomes ever more important as the season rolls along, let alone springtime. So there's been a lot of things that have uh, hit on, on stride here uh, on Broadway and yet to the admittance that there's still a lot of hockey to play. Obviously a lot of hockey left to be played, but w when I say that I expect the Rangers to be one of the teams that's potentially of the four remaining when we mm -hmm. get towards the end of the season, what's your reaction to that? Because obviously I, I could have said the same thing a year ago, two years ago, obviously, you know, it's so hard in, in the NHL mm -hmm. in the postseason, just brutal. But I mean, how much pressure is there? Because I listen, I'm in California, I'm on the other side of the country. Right. And I know, right. uh, I know Rangers fans are uh, not exactly quiet about their desires for the team. So when you hear me saying that, how does that jive with what you feel about the team and how the market feels about the team? Well, I, I think everybody's pretty excited, right? And there are reasons to be excited, but there's the real, more of a, a realistic approach to this group than so. Two years ago, we went to the conference finals and uh, lost to Tampa. 
despite being two, up 2 nothing in the season. I think they might have gotten over their skis a little bit there. Uh, went into last season, uh, Truman was named captain, uh, and there was, you know, probably an unrealistic sense uh, that they were ready to be a legitimate challenger. So along the way, I think there's been the, the league is the history has been littered with teams that thought they were there, but needed to be boxed around a little bit to really come to the realization that you're not quite as close as you think you are. And I think the Rangers uh, have that. Expect, it's more of a realistic expectation, I think. And I can't help but um, realize at the time when Peter Laviolette uh, was introduced to the media, um, his thought process included the fact that springtime starts now. And that was in June. Uh, and the game has to be played over the course of the season that will give you a better chance to play when it comes springtime. So the razzle-dazzle that um, the top forwards and more of a European game that used to work wonderfully during the regular season wasn't quite as successful come postseason. And I think that's most epitomized by Artemi Panarin. The Rangers in the last couple of seasons don't get to the playoffs without uh, Panarin's regular season um, but his game disappointing to him specifically um, the, the message was sent that it might have to change a little bit it might have to become a little more north-south and if there's a shot there to take take it um, which seems to have kind of taken uh, root with Artemi who's a wonderful wonderful player and wonderful person so I just think there's a lot of things now that they're doing starting from the top and their top players are buying into the fact that when the ice gets smaller mm -hmm. and the teams get better, you have to be a little simpler. In terms of LaViolette and handling the, the, the pressures and you know, what's, I mean, what's your read on him as a coach? Cause he's, to me, he's always a, a fascinating figure. Um, and he's been with some very, very good teams for a reason. Well, listen, he's got a tremendous track record. He's won in the American, he's won in the East Coast League, he won a championship in the American League. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's taken two other teams to Stanley Cup finals. He And it, it holds true every place he's been. Um, he has really got out of the gates hard and fast and, 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 and good. And that's certainly been the case here. I think what he's brought here... The exit meetings last year after a disappointing out uh, against the Devils in the first round. Uh, and you don't want to empower the players a lot, right? But mm -hmm. in today's day and age, you've got to listen to the players. And the players' message seemed to be they needed a little more behind the bench, from behind the bench. And, and listen, Gerard Gallant, uh, 107 points, 112 points, Eastern Conference Finals. But I think in today's game these players do need to be coached um most of them had have had professional coaching from a very young age and i just think that laviolette has a wonderful mix of experience and an attachment to the the newer generation of players and and his method to madness includes a very uh, i almost say a family existence mm -hmm. He's done a wonderful job of uh, off-ice outings, including families, and embracing a whole thing beyond the X's and O's. So he's been impressive. There's no question. At the bottom line is you're going to be really judged by your record. His record is good, but it's good 
for a lot of real fundamental reasons. I guess that can bring us to the uh, question of David Quinn, uh, no stranger to the New York Rangers crowd. Um, I think he is a, uh, a really uh, just a fun guy to be around. I enjoy his entire dynamic. It's fun getting to know him as a coach and watching how hands-on he is with players and practices and such. And I know that his tenure with the Rangers, it was a different time. It was a different team. Um, what was your perspective of David Quinn? I love David Quinn. He was awesome. He was uh <laughs> He was uh, a guy that was, as you say, uh, fun to be around. Now, listen, we're not in the room. I'm not in the room when he's addressing and working with his team. Um, he, he probably, again, I never thought David would ever live to see the fruits of his efforts in mm -hmm. New York. I was somewhat shocked that he was let go as quickly as he was. Um, and really heartened to see him get another opportunity because he, he's a legitimate NHL coach. So along the way, um, you know, you put, put your time in and you do different things. But um, he was, again, at the time, the Rangers were very young uh, at the time. And I think there was a kind of a, a sense that he was trying a little too hard to, to be young himself. Uh, and he, along the way, you learn as you move along. And, uh, you know, this San, to my look, uh, looking, San Jose is a 500 team. Their last 13 games yeah. they are certainly better. They're better than the start showed. Uh, and in times of peril, you know, how do you adapt and adjust? And I think David's done a nice job uh, there. And I wish him nothing but nothing but all the best because he's a, a good hockey guy and a better person. Just on the subject of coaches in the NHL, particularly head coaches, it's something that amazes me is that, and granted, listen, the, the old refrain that my dad, who is also a sports broadcaster, taught me at a very young age was, Ted, you can't fire the team, so there's only so many cards they can play. But, you know, I often just feel like in the NHL particularly that coaches are treated as almost disposable. Like, I, you know, I, I can't blame Jay and Dean specifically for all those teams' troubles. I mean, I'm not going to absolve them, but, you know, the, right. the coaches, they get so much blame, and I'm thinking, like, they're not – they're not the ones on the ice, and it's not like things yeah. have suddenly been fixed with those teams. Is that does that bother you the way that you know coaches are kind of you know just brought in and brought out almost you know just as if they're just placeholders in this league? Yeah, I mean it. It probably was a little irksome when they were grossly underpaid. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I I think now the compensation. Um, the compensation, uh, there's an expectancy with the compensation, uh, with given what the coaches are paid. And, and listen, I, they deserve every dollar they get. Mm -hmm. So, and your first observation, which is, it, it was that it's easier to, to get rid of one guy than it is to get rid of 20. So I, I think it's the reality of the business. I think most times, uh, coaches have established a reputation. It's a bit of a coaching carousel. Um, I, I, I do think it's, it takes a special character to, to be, uh, in that position in today's game. Uh, you are, you are dealing and I, and this is not a criticism, but the, the younger athlete now is a lot more entitled than, mm -hmm. than we were in my generation. Uh, but that's, you know, that's just the reality and it takes a special kind of magic to impart the message with the recognition that, um, you know, the, the, as much more money as the coaches are making, the players are making more money. So 
it's a delicate it's a delicate position it really is and i, I don't think I, and i think it, it, you know specific to david you can't discount the experiences he's gaining game mm-hmm. uh, whether he he lives to see the fruits of his efforts in san jose who knows um, but I do, uh, I get it. I get why the coaches, uh, are the first to go. Although now they seem to be compensated a little uh, more, uh, on a better basis to, to kind of say, okay, you know what? I'm making a pretty good dollar here and I just continue to build my resume. There's a good chance I'll stay in the league somewhere. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. I mean, obviously the compensation helps, uh, when you are showing the door, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where I watch in, in any sport. It's not just the NHL, but just the NHL because they've been, you know, the headlines have been there in the you know early parts of this season as they usually sure. are. Um, you know, it, I'm curious also your, your thoughts on the San Jose Sharks, because, you know, the, the Sharks, obviously the uh, complete opposite of an original six team like the Rangers. But since they came into the league, you know, they made the playoffs in year three. And, you know, for about 20 years, they were in a contending window. And now for the first time, are they in an extended playoff drought? And I'm just curious, you know, from your perspective on the other side of the country, what it's like to watch San Jose now finally have to go through this rebuilding process and, you know, just watching what they've been through this season. I mean, like you said, since the, the what I'm saying, the uh, the games we do not speak of, the uh, back-to-back games in which they gave up 10 right. goals, um, they have been a decent team. But this is this is new territory for the franchise and for all the fans out here as well. We've we've been spoiled for 30 years. Yeah. We had really, really good hockey. Well, it, that's the magic of management, right? I mean, at a certain point, I know Doug Wilson was really quite an important character in in the history of the franchise. And there was a certain identity to San Jose for a long, long time. But at some time, it all comes to an end, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think you can think of Detroit for 20, was it 24 straight years? They made the playoffs. Yeah. You know, they haven't made the last seven. So, uh, you know, it's going to roll over in Pittsburgh. It's going to roll over in Boston. It'll eventually roll over in, in um, uh, who am I thinking, uh, Washington. You know, I, I, I just think you pay a price for longevity in the fact when it comes to the realization you may have to move bodies and can you move them at a time that continues uh, the, the success that you built over time. And I think the Sharks for the longest time was Patrick Marlowe, it was, it was Joe Thornton, it was Vlasic on the blue line, it was Burns in the blue line, it was, you know, <coughs> the goaltending, uh, you know, Couture, uh, you know, it's hurt now. Uh, Pavalski, you know, they had great players there for a long time. But they all, you know, unless you're Yarmer Yager and you can play <laughs> to your 55 or 60, right. most of it at some point. And that's just the magic is can you can you run a program uh, over a long time of success with the realization that the end will come? And so you watch now and, and you know, can Eklund be that next generation of player? Ferraro looks like, it. you know, it's, it's, it's your draft. It's your, I know the kid, Will Smith, mm-hmm. is a, a high pick that you hope he comes sooner or later. But even when he comes, it's going to take time. And I think that also, too, you realize over the history of Fred, Joe Thornton was an outlier. You know, there are not many Joe Thorntons come along. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so... There are many things to think, and yet uh, the reality is you've got to find a way to keep competitive, keep people interested in your product. And 
and it's nothing but a couple of wins along the way won't cure near term. And as long as San Jose can get their next win, their next game, I'll be happy with their growth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I look at is I think coaches probably hate games like this, where you have a team like the Rangers who write, you know, 35 points, you know, humming along and on paper are significantly better than the Sharks when you just look at it on paper. But, you know, the nuance there is that the Sharks have been playing much, much better. They're, you know, their netminder stats are not really representative of what they've been able to do. It's, uh, you know, a lot of defensive breakdowns. You know, does, does the staff have to say to the team today, like, don't sleep on this Sharks team? They have been beating teams. They've beat Vancouver, who were red hot. They, you know, got wins over, you know, some high caliber teams since they've been through those down points because the mm-hmm. the bad losses, the 11-game losing streak to start the season, mm-hmm. even in light of the Sharks' quality play in the last month, that's still more of the narrative. Well, it, yes, again, that's the the margin for error uh, on a given night in the National Hockey League is very slim. Like, I watched the Shark game against Boston, and to me, their whole game was epitomized by the 5-on-3 they had and no shots on goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it wasn't even close no. when I watched. And then you go into New Jersey, and now New, New Jersey plays a little different game, right? They're going to turn it over. They're going to turn it over. And you're going to get opportunities. The Bruins aren't going to turn it over. The Rangers, by and large, aren't going to turn it over. And the Rangers' goaltending is good. Now, again, I watched the Jersey game, uh, and Kakanen was all world. Yeah. You know, so you capitalize on a team that's going to turn it over to create and give your goaltender, your goaltender is going to keep you in on a night to night basis. That can happen. In a, in a, in a seven-game series, presently, Devils-San Jose, it might be over in five. Yeah. <laughs> you know, But on any game of night, you cannot expect in this league. It's funny, when I retired, somebody asked me who the worst NHL player was that you played against or played with. And I couldn't answer that question. Right. It, it, it's impossible. Every guy that's in the league could play on any roster in the league. It's just a matter of, okay, what what does your group look like? Where are they in the growth? What kind of goaltending are they getting? Do they manage the puck? And on a nightly a night-to-night basis, you have to enter it knowing. Now, human nature, listen, human nature, if it was that easy, every game would be the same, mm-hmm. right? But human nature is you're going to have nights. You're going to – you subconsciously are looking at the teams that maybe below the Mason like fits in line, right? Yeah. But you've got to find a way, and the better teams find a way. And it, no better example than numerous times this Ranger team. Uh, yesterday, they're down 3-1 in Nashville on the road. And they did just about whatever they had to do to win the game, and they won the game. And so it's the intangibles are there. Um, and it's imperative that you prepare to the best of your abilities on a night-to-night basis where anything can happen. Dave, fantastic stuff, man. I know you've got a uh, game to get ready for, so I will let you go, but I appreciate your time. Have a great broadcast, and we will talk soon. Right. It's always, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for calling, and hopefully we can do it again. Again, that was Dave Maloney, former captain of the New York Rangers and their color commentator. Always fun to get his thoughts on all things Rangers. And uh, I love going up against the Rangers because there's so much history every time you uh, go into that building, go up against that franchise. And uh, I would love to see the Sharks put forth another good performance today. Again, three out of their last five, they've won. Four out of the last five, they have earned points. And now 
It's a matter of them showing up again against a really good opponent. I mean, this Rangers team, 17-4-1 on the season, 7-2-0 at home. They don't mess around. They are a very, very good team. And like I said, I'm not going to be surprised if they are one of the final teams standing when all is said and done late in this spring. 2.30 pregame, 3 o'clock go time right here on the Sharks Audio Network as Team Teal takes on the Rangers from New York. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.